we just decided to go to this digital first strategy and it's paid huge dividends in a very short period of time. We literally, the day we flicked the switch to NLTV, we quadrupled our viewing audience for an average regular season game. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 follow by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Joining me on this week's show, Nick Sikevich. He is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. It's great to check in on some of these other leagues. You know, we talk about Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA all the time on this show, but there's some niche leagues that are really growing. You look back 10, 15 years ago to where Major League Soccer was and what they are now and how they've increased their franchise values and their broadcast distribution and their digital footprint. Um, so I'm looking forward to this interview with Nick today. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And talking about the NLL today with this interview, um, I have an 11-year-old boy, and it's like almost every other one of his friends is signing up to play lacrosse this year. I mean, it's like I'm seeing it grow just in Clackamas, where I live, in this town in Oregon here. And it's uh, it's crazy, and the kids are loving it. I mean, they're playing, and then he has one buddy that's played three, four years now in a row, and he's not doing like soccer because he's doing lacrosse, so it's kind of cool. So anyone listening to this show going, oh, lacrosse, it's not the NFL. Look, lacrosse, and you may or may not know this, is the fastest-growing sport in North America, right? Almost 900,000 people are playing it in the United States alone. Uh, you've got NHL owners, you've got the owner, co-founder of Alibaba, who is now an investor in a team. So, like, it's legit, and yeah. it's going to grow, and we'll get some details from Nick on the numbers. How much does a franchise cost? What does it cost to go to a game? What are the athletes making? Uh, what is their strategy for attracting players and fans to their league? It'll be a good interview with Nick Sakevich of the NLL. Griggs, uh, a busy week. So let's start with the NBA, NBA trade deadline. And, you know, a lot of times these are yawners, but oh my gosh, last Thursday, lots of movement, especially with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They basically turned over half of their team, <laughs> made two big trades with the Lakers and with the Utah Jazz. They shipped out Isaiah Thomas. So he ended up playing 15 games for the Cavs after returning for injury. Uh, it's a whole new franchise for LeBron, and yesterday they played the Boston Celtics, pounded the Celtics in Boston. They look good. They looked energized. It'll be interesting to see, A, is this a team that can get LeBron back to the NBA Finals? And B, is this a team that will uh, be attractive to LeBron to stay in Cleveland? I don't think LeBron staying in Cleveland. I don't even think with this team is energized as they may be, even if they win the NBA Finals. I don't think that LeBron is staying in Cleveland, by the way, they're not winning the NBA Finals. No, um, I, I just I think this is the end of the road for LeBron in Cleveland. But you know, this is a more competitive team, and, and frankly, it's a better roster for Cleveland for the future without LeBron. It's a young team. Uh, you had a lot of guys, fat cats, as I call them, guys who had won titles, guys who were at the end of their careers, guys who didn't have that eye of the tiger, the hunger that these young guys have. You look at Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, who've never been in the playoffs. George Hill wants to get back to the playoffs. 
Uh, Rodney Hood is a guy who is a good player. So, you know, they didn't acquire any superstars, but I think, you know, like George Hill said this last week, we need to all be Robins to LeBron's Batman. That's what LeBron really wants. He doesn't want someone else who's going to challenge his Batman role. He wants to be Batman, and he wants a bunch of other guys. I was watching the game with the new team, and I was like, this is like four guys who are buddies at the <laughs> YMCA, and then this really good guy walks into the gym, and you're like, hey, we'll take that guy on our team, and that's LeBron. So the four guys are good quality players. They hustle. They're good defenders. They can handle the ball. They can shoot the three, and then you've got arguably the best player in the world on your team, too. So it'll be interesting to see where things go with Cleveland. But uh, Kobe Altman, their GM, you got to give him credit. He knew that the team they had was going nowhere fast, and the Fat Cats were going to only take them down the drain. And he, midseason, reshuffled the deck, and they've got a team that I think people think can at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, maybe get back to the finals. Well, you saw just like with Boston when they played them here, it's or they, the the game we just were talking about, the re- they looked renewed. I mean, they right. look like okay, we got this. It, they look like a whole new team yeah. just from that one move. But I think you're right. I think it's it's you, you hit it right. It's it's LeBron wants he's Batman. He wants to be the team, which is why he's not going to go to Golden State. And he doesn't want to play with four All Stars. He wants to be the All Star. I think, right, in my opinion. But uh, he wants to be the owner. He wants to be the owner, yeah, owner player, all star, everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he really does. He wants to have a decision in every move a franchise makes, and I think that's one of the things. Look, I've been around LeBron. I've said that on this show before. There's a reason he calls himself the king. How many people call themselves the king? <laughs> not many. Okay, he does not like being second fiddle to anyone, including Dan Gilbert. Or an owner of any team. He didn't like being second fiddled to Pat Riley and Mickey Arison in Miami. So here's a guy that wants to have his fingerprint on every decision that's made. Now this is a team that is much more uh, able to be manipulated by LeBron because these are young guys. They're hungry. They're going to follow his lead. Whereas D-Wade had won titles. The other guys on the team had won some titles with Cleveland. Like They had kind of been there, done that, and they weren't excited about getting up for a game anymore. And now they've got guys on the team who are hungry. So it's going to be interesting to see after that. The Lakers, in the meantime, cleared a ton of cap space by getting rid of Clarkson and Nance. They also acquired a first-round pick from the Cavs. So they've set themselves up for really good success this summer or next summer. They have two max slots for free agents. So, hypothetically, they could sign Paul George this offseason uh, obviously, their big fish is LeBron, but if LeBron says, no, I'm going to return to Cleveland on a one-year, they could try and get him the following summer, or the following summer, you've got someone like Clay Thompson who's going to hit the market. So, you know, maybe the Lakers' strategy is we got a pick in this deal, and we're going to try and get Paul George this offseason to go with our current young guys, Brandon Ingram and, and Lonzo Ball, and then next summer, we're going to try and get Clay Thompson. I actually think that's a better strategy than going all in on LeBron. I don't know that LeBron's going to go to the Lakers. Maybe he will. But, you know, if you read me, my uh, Twitter feed, at SB Radio, I don't think he, there's any way he's going back to Cleveland. I will be very surprised. So my top three targets for LeBron, Sixers, number one. I mean, that's a team he could step into and compete for a title for the next five years as long as Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons stay healthy. That's a team where you can go in and make an immediate impact. They're still in the East, right? East is much easier to get to the finals than the West where you have to go through the Warriors. 
the Rockets, number two on my list, no state income tax, and he's got, uh, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul, his best buddy, in Houston. And then number three, the Lakers, just because you can't ignore the fact that he has two homes valued at $45 million in Los Angeles. He's looked at schools for his kids. Like, something's going on there. Maybe it's for way down the road, but you don't buy two houses for $45 million. Like, Griggs, what do you think the rent would be on that? Jeez. I'm not going to live there for five years, so I'm going to rent that out to someone. <laughs> I mean, you're probably paying $20,000 a month to rent that house, At right? least, yeah. And I mean, and you got all kinds of taxes in California, too. So, oh. I mean, it's, that's a mess. I mean, but I think, like, I think you're right. I think, I think Philly's going to be a huge team in the next five years yeah. or less. I think the Lakers are definitely rebuilding. They're set up nicely to be a force in the, in the West for sure. And either if LeBron goes to either one of those teams, but I think both those teams are going to be a strong team here in the next two, three years. I mean, if you look at what, Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson have done just to put the Lakers in a better position financially in the last year. They've done a great job because, you know, they got rid of some of those big contracts and they've put themselves in a good position to be flexible for the next two years and be a, a player in the free agent market. So it's going to be interesting to watch them as well. Griggs, the Olympics are underway. Opening ceremonies, uh, some figure skating. I got to tell you, people may laugh at me. <laughs> I really, really like watching Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski oh, yeah. do figure skating. I think they are hilarious. They've got a flair. Uh, I follow them on Instagram. I listen to their podcast. They're just, you can tell, first of all, when you're doing broadcasting and you have two people, I don't care if it's Tony Romo and Jim Nance or whoever, like, there needs to be chemistry. Mm-hmm. Those two have great chemistry because they really genuinely like each other and they spend time together outside of the broadcast booth and it comes through but you know what they know their stuff too it's not like they're just talking about outfits and and things like that like they really know their stuff when i listen to a figure skating broadcast now i learn about the judging and i learn about where things are deducted and you know i've been watching figure skating a, because my daughter, who's 13, really likes watching it. And B, because some of my friends, since I uh, figure skate in uh, New York when I'm there, <laughs> either at Rock Center or Grand Center, <laughs> or at, at uh, Central Park, they've nicknamed <laughs> My nickname is Boytano. <laughs> so Brian Boytano. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, I like to do a little figure skating now and again. I'm not nearly as good as they are. And then, you know, one of the projects that I did professionally uh, years ago is I actually worked the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. I handled all the media operations around that. So I met Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski and some of the people. And, and it's a fun sport. Like, they realize they're not Tom Brady in the NFL, and they need to work harder to humanize themselves and personalize themselves. But... You know, I really like watching figure skating because of Tara and and Johnny. But some of the other uh, sports have been great. The the skiing has been good. The uh, you know, I always like watching luge. And, yeah, we were and, watching that. Yep. I mean, this seventeen year old, the what's red? His, oh yeah. my gosh! Snowboarder. His yeah. gold medal run. Crazy. It looked like a video game. Yeah. Like, I don't think people could pull that off on a video game. And he's 17 years old and just conquered that mountain and that run. Yeah. It, it was beautiful. So, and the flips they do in the air, and I would have 20 concussions by the end of that run <laughs> yeah. and, and probably be dead. Uh, so I have such respect, especially for, you know, these young, young Olympians, 17 years old, mm-hmm. some of them. Uh, is it... Gracie Kim, or, or uh, I can't remember her name. Yeah, Kim, I think you're right. The last name's right, yeah. But, yeah, some 
real young Olympians. Uh, I, w- I also like speed skating. Like, oh yeah, when they are coming around full speed on the loop there, and they have a wipeout, and like three people go yeah. sliding <laughs> into the the side there, yeah. like. You can see how fast they're going. So I've always said this, you know, 14 years on this show. If you just put these events on and they were on randomly on some Saturday or Sunday, I wouldn't watch them. But because it's the Olympics, because you attach a country to it, because there's some patriotism, because of the way NBC presents it, like, I'll tune in. And it's it's been fun to watch. And for a few weeks... uh you know, I'll post up on the couch with my daughter, and and we'll tune into NBC's coverage for sure. And I think NBC's doing good. I think they've added some cool things this year. Last night, or we were watching the Luge, um, the American won silver, and I think it's the first time I think I think an American's won a medal in the Luge or something like that. Anyways, they had like this GoPro on his his sled yeah. for the whole run. That's fascinating. They're going 80 miles an hour on a wall of ice, right? And we got to see the whole run, and they're you know breaking it down how this curve and this curve. I think we're learning more as a fan because yeah. of these different camera angles, yeah. and like you're saying with Lipinski and and Johnny, where they really break it down, and and you get to really understand these sports you never know anything about. So even like we were talking about lacrosse, you know, not as many people know about it, but we're learning more about it, and it's growing. Yeah, I think uh, I think how NBC is covering it and different cameras and all this different insight has really been fun. So I, I enjoy it. The other thing that is cool during opening ceremonies, I don't know if you watched, but the drones. Yeah. So you know, there's another technological advance right. that we didn't have. 10 years ago that adds to the coverage of the opening ceremony. So uh, I agree. NBC is using some new technologies. Uh, I, I still would like to see more human interest features. I'd like to get to know some of yeah. the Olympians. I feel like we've had more of that in the past. Maybe I'm not watching at the right times when they do some of those profiles, but like connect me to some of these competitors and, and tell me who they are and what their backstory is and how long they've been training I mean, that's the thing that's really remarkable. I was telling my daughter this is you watch these figure skaters and they come out for five minutes. They've trained their entire life for the five minutes. And Griggs, back in 2008, I'll never forget this. I was in China for the games in Beijing and I got to go to the Chinese uh, Olympic training facility. And to see the pressure that is on these athletes, I mean, you are literally thrown out of your country if you don't come back with a medal. They boot you out of the system. And by the way, leading up to your performance, you're spending 24-7 training for the five minutes of Olympic glory or competition. And if you screwed up, if you fall, one mistake, and it's over for you. And that's a lot of pressure. I mean, people talk about shooting free throws at the end of a game. Like, Okay, you could always come back the next game probably and, and, you know, hit those free throws and get back in the good graces of the fans. Like, this is such a, a one-time thing where if you don't qualify or you screw up and you've trained all these years, that is truly pressure. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. It is a growing league. It is the number one growing sport in the United States. We'll dig into the NLL. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. 
As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Nick Sakevich. He is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. You can find him on Twitter at NLLcommish. Nick, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Great, Brian. Thanks for having me. Let's start with your background and your path to NLL commissioner. You worked previously on the business side of Major League Soccer. Maybe you can discuss your career a little bit before we start talking about NLL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That was a great run. 21 years. I was a founding executive of the league back in 95, coming off the 94 World Cup. There was a small group of us in, in Los Angeles that started Major League Soccer. Uh, I was the league's first vice president of sponsorship sales. Uh, and after the inaugural season in 96, went to uh, run the, the camp, the uh, original teams in Tampa Bay and then in New York. Um, I got uh, the New York Metro Star sold to Red Bull energy drink company when when I built my first soccer stadium in uh, the New York metropolitan area. Uh, It was my first. Uh, And after that, I um, formed the ownership group of the Philadelphia Union and built a second soccer stadium in Philadelphia and brought soccer to Philadelphia in 2010 with the Philadelphia Union. And uh, and then uh, left in uh, October of 2015, I uh, sold my interest in, in the club and a few months later joined the National Lacrosse League as its uh, fifth commissioner. What was it about the National Lacrosse League that attracted you to that job? Um, a, a couple of things right out of the gate. Um, first, when I saw the product on the floor, um, it was extraordinary uh, sports entertainment product. Um, the best lacrosse players in their space. Uh, so there's there's no other better lacrosse players in the world playing other than in the National Lacrosse League. And they produced a really spectacular sporting event, live sporting event, with, with some big crowds. And anytime you can sell a ticket to a sporting event, you can make a real business out of it. The second thing that really attracted me was the quality of the ownership. Um, you know, we have four NHL owners, uh, an NBA owner, um, and we have some independent owners that are um, very visionary um, and have a great view of where we can build the sport. And when you have those, you know, we had those things uh, to a certain extent with ownership in soccer, and that's what helped grow that league. And I know how ownership is crucial. Um, so going forward, you know, between the product quality and the ownership quality, those were two big elements of it. And then the third one was just the growth potential. Lacrosse is one of the fastest-growing team sports in North America. It's, our version of it is Canadian-born, and it's starting to seep down 
um, below the border into the U.S. with explosive growth in lacrosse participation in uh, all the geographic regions in the U.S. And, you know, it's exciting to put a plan together to to grow the National Lacrosse League against that growth with a world-class product um, with great owners. And, and so it all came together for me with those elements. Nick, as of last year, the numbers I have, and maybe you have different ones, 825,000 players playing lacrosse in the United States. That's And it's the fastest growing, according to the data that I saw, the fastest growing sport in the United States. Again, you decided, you know, the growth and the ownership. When the owners invest in the league, what kind of financial commitment are they making? I think a lot of people listening to the show, they know about franchise values with the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. But if you're going to buy a team at the NLL level, what, what's your investment look like? Well, candidly, it's very inexpensive today. Uh, we just brought two new teams in, in San Diego with uh, Joe Sy, the co-founder of Alibaba, owning that team, and uh, in Philadelphia uh, with Comcast Spectacor, um, Fortune 31 company owning that team, and the Philadelphia Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Those two teams will launch next year, and um, they they got in very inexpensively. Uh, and then as we add uh, more teams, it's going to get the franchise values will go up and will get a lot more expensive. Uh, as you see going on in Major League Soccer right now, you know, you could have bought a Major League Soccer team 20 years ago for $5 million, and today, you know, they're selling for north of $100, $150 million. Um, that same dynamic will happen with us over the next decade, and the timing's good to get in now. In addition to the low entry point of franchise fee, um, they also need to commit to operations because we, we look for uh, great operators, which is why we like NHL and NBA owners because they own arenas, they have arenas, um, they know how to operate them, they have all the fixed-cost infrastructure in place with ticket sales and marketing and um, social media and all those things that are necessary to drive uh, an event at a building. And so we look for uh, those types of owners, but they have to invest they have to have a great arena, they have to have a great market, but they also have to invest money to growing their lacrosse enterprise. Um, and so those are the things we look for when we decide to talk to certain owners that want teams. So will $5 million get me a franchise? Is it higher than that? Again, I think our audience is looking for some kind of a barometer, a ballpark figure for what a franchise would go for, in addition to those operating expenses that you just described. You know, yes, you're that's that's in the range we have round two uh, priced out right now. Um, major markets um, a little bit higher than that, but but you're you're in the range right now um, for the for the round two expansions, and that's um, considerably higher than the round one expansions. So as like I said, as we bring in one two teams at a time in each round, you know we'll we'll raise those those. Uh, um, franchise values as we go, but in this current round, um, you're you're in that right. You're in that five million dollar range again, depending on the market: New York, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, Houston. Um, these these markets are a little bit more premium. They're major media markets, so that they're they're priced a little bit higher. 
Nick, let's step back and look at the growth of lacrosse for a minute. We just talked about it. It's the fastest growing sport in the United States. Why do you think young athletes today, I mean, they have so many options, football, basketball, baseball, but lacrosse is the fastest growing. What is it about the game itself that attracts young athletes? Well, I think you're seeing a a shift in the millennial generation and what they're doing. You know, the millennials are the largest population now, larger than the baby boomers that are coming through the economic pipeline, and, and it's predicted that they will last a lot longer the baby, baby boomers for a number of reasons. And those millennials, and we saw it in soccer, we had a front row seat on that growth in the 80s and 90s with kids, you know, um, picking up soccer balls instead of baseball bats and American footballs. And I think we're seeing the same thing in lacrosse. And lacrosse, lacrosse fits a niche of an athlete different than soccer. So, like, in lacrosse, you have a more physical physical contact sport you can hit people in lacrosse you can't hit people in soccer um so if you're you know one of those millennials that's shifting away from some of the more traditional sports um and you still like to hit people and you like that body contact lacrosse fits your uh fits your adrenaline uh need for that as opposed to soccer because in soccer everyone knows if you hit people you get yellow cards and red cards so i think i think you're seeing um, a really sh- real shift in what the millennial generation is doing. You know, our audience is under 35 years old, and that that fits in right into that um, millennial and, and Gen X generation of kids doing different things. I think hockey's grown from it as well. I think some of the fast action sports. You know, these kids today have um, they're, they're ADD. Their attention span isn't very long. Our sport's great because there's Lots of goals. You know, we average 20-some-odd goals a game, um, and it just is very, very um, fulfilling to the to the consumer that likes a lot of satisfaction when they're watching a sporting event. For the people who watch the National Lacrosse League and wonder, does the league pay the players? Do the team pay the players? What does a typical player make? How do you answer that question? Um, we're very much set up as uh, a traditional sports league in that the teams um, uh, sign the players and the teams pay the players directly under contract. Um, Each of our players are signed to multi-year contracts with with each of our teams. Um, Our players are um, still on a part-time basis, so they'll work the six months of the year. Uh, And then many of them have other lacrosse businesses there are many of them are coaches and uh, supplementing their income uh, with other lacrosse business and others outside of lacrosse we um we've undertaken a study right now to manage our growth to see at what point we start signing players out of college to full-time contracts i formed an ad hoc committee of owners to study that to study two things to study um, signing our players to full-time year-round contracts um, as they come out of school, and then increasing the number of games that we play in our league. Because as we bring on more teams in our league, we'll need to play more games, and that'll that'll really require us to have full-time athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. Lacrosse is still a divided business on the pro side. The outdoor league does their business. You do yours. Is there any hope for unification for the good of the sport overall in the future? 
Um, I, cer- I certainly hope that there's an opportunity to work with the, uh, the, the outdoor league. You know, we, we believe that uh, the young lacrosse fan growing up today is playing both outdoors and indoors. And, um, you know, we think that there's an opportunity for that fan to not have to choose between the two, but to participate in both long term. Um, so I know they have a new commissioner over there. I know they're, you know, getting their house in order a bit. And um, hopefully uh, when they do, we can sit back down again. Uh, you know, when I first became commissioner, I reached out to them to uh, see how we could work together. Um, but nothing really came of it. Uh, I think they were in transition with leadership change. And then they they recently announced um, uh, a new commissioner. So I'm hoping to get together with him very soon and talk about how we can work together to to expand the game and grow it. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to lead with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Past Sports PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. Now back to our conversation. Nick, you mentioned your target demo is 35 and under for audience of your league. You guys have done some clever digital media deals, and I like how you reach that millennial millennial audience uh, to show them your product. Can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Yeah, Brian, that, that's been one of the great success stories over the last 12, 18 months or so since we launched NLL TV, um, we really decided uh, we were going to go to a digital-first strategy, meaning we were going to try to deliver an incredibly fun-to-watch product out to as many channels as we could digitally. So today, an iPhone, especially to the millennial generation, is a television uh, or uh, an Android device or a computer screen or, you know, even even the big 65-inch screen TV that they have in their homes is a computer screen. It's a smart TV. So we just decided to go to this digital first strategy and it's paid huge dividends in a very short period of time. We literally, the day we flicked the switch to NL TV, we quadrupled our viewing audience for an average regular season game. We did a couple of test deals with Twitter for a game of the week that was free to air, um, not behind the paywall and got huge numbers, got Average, you know, average almost 400,000 viewers per game 
on the on the uh, game of the week Twitter game of the week. Um, this year, we rolled out another distribution partner in CBS Sports Digital, and we're getting great um, great traction there. And we also did a deal with Facebook Live to put a highlight show called Relax on uh, Facebook Live, and the numbers have been very strong. So the strategy is the right one. Um, our fan base is um, not subscribing to cable, uh, and they're on the go, uh, and they want to watch uh, lacrosse, and they want to watch the best lacrosse in the world, whether it's on their mobile phone, a computer screen, or a big screen uh, in their home. They, they want to watch it anytime, anywhere. So that's why the digital strategy is a very smart one for us. And we're going to continue to invest, and I think in the next probably 60 days, maybe less, you're going to see some big distribution announcements with some big partners that see what we see, a very underserved lacrosse audience hungry for, uh, for lacrosse on, uh, on digital. So with NLL TV, if you want to subscribe, if you want to buy the season, what does something like that cost? Well, for all, we have a full, full season package, which is $35 um, for uh, 81 games this year. Then we have a team pass, so you can buy a team pass uh, for, I believe it's $25 for uh, just your team's 18 games. Um, or you could buy an individual game and for, I think it's $6 this year, for 5 or $6 for an individual game if you want to watch it. Um, we've had great growth. Our full-season packages this year versus last year are up almost 12%. And um, it's a real, it's a really great bargain for uh, for live best lacrosse in the world entertainment. Yeah, I think it's so smart. Again, you know that your audience is heavily millennial, and you know where they're consuming, and you're giving them your product where they're consuming. When you look at sports overall, sports broadcasting. I mean, we saw that uh, Fox Sports just paid a ton of money for a Thursday night NFL, and. You know, the rights fees with TV continue to go up, but you also look with who's coming in the next generation, and it is those millennials, and, and they're cord nevers, right? They'll never pay a cable bill. Yep. The, the consuming habits are changing. I mean, I almost see, Nick, where five, ten years from now, the digital rights are going to be where the broadcast rights are now, and then those TV rights are going to – maybe that bubble bursts and – you know, again, you're trying to reach the consumer where they are, which is what you guys are doing. Yeah, uh, you know, I think a lot of what you just said, there's a lot of truth. And if you read the tea leaves and if you study, you know, the direction of where linear television viewing is going versus the explosive growth of digital TV, look, I don't think linear is ever going away, but I just think it's now going to share um, a menu with, with digital streaming, I mean, you look at the explosive growth of Netflix and what what all these other digital platforms are, are really beginning to do. You're seeing significant downticks in linear TV ratings for even big leagues like the NFL and Major League Baseball. And, and it's not that they're losing audience. Their audience is shifting, and they're shifting to a new digital age. And they're, they're not, like you said, they're... They're cable never millennials that, you know, I have two in my house and they, they, well, one of them lives away from me and 
ne- never will have a cable subscription. So I think you're going to see that downward pressure on linear and the rights fees going forward, we believe. And, you know, we have NL TV where we have a direct consumer relationship. So we don't have to go through any conduit to know who our fans are that are watching. We have their emails. We have their data. We have their names. We can engage with them on a one-on-one basis. They may watch NLL TV and then want to participate in our newsletter or may want to buy a ticket to a game or may want to buy a jersey or a piece of merchandise. And we have that relationship with them as opposed to linear TV where, you know, none of those companies really or those, those leagues rather, I should say, have a direct relationship with the consumer watching on TV. They have a relationship with the broadcast network that pays them a lot of money, but they don't have the relationship that counts, and that's the one with the fan. Nick, all the sports leagues have their main players. They do heavy promotion around those main players, whether it's the NFL and Tom Brady, the NBA and LeBron James and Steph Curry. What does the NLL do to bring your players to the forefront so people can go, oh, okay, those are the five players in that league that I should be watching. Here's what the league is doing to personalize and humanize them. So alongside NLL TV, uh, we created a, a company called NLL Productions. and NLL Productions produces um, all of our NLL TV content in addition, live content in addition to um, a ton of shoulder programming on NLL TV. And a lot of that shoulder programming features our, our players, and obviously the very best ones get, get the headlines. We have a lot of stars in our league, um, but they're, they're unknown to the population. And what you'll, what you'll be seeing, especially this year and next year when we bring two new teams in the league, is you'll be seeing um, a, a much broader focus on highlighting who our star players are in our league and getting that distributed onto platforms that have large numbers. So I, I can't really speak about it right now, but, but we're very close to signing up a partner that's going to give us huge distribution of that. And, and the focus is going to be to really build on, you know, the Thompson brothers in Georgia who are arguably, you know, Lyle Thompson's arguably the best lacrosse player in the world. Although Tom Schreiber in Toronto, American player playing in Toronto, will argue maybe that he is because he's world class. So we have we have a lot of talent in, in the NLL, and uh, NLL Productions was created to exploit that talent and to deliver it to the fan base out there on a broader broader scale. Again, Nick, you have lots of competition out there: uh, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and of course Major League Soccer, where you came from. What is your league doing to get the attention of fans out there who may say, I don't know that much about lacrosse, but I think I may want to check it out? Or, uh, you know, even someone who's just looking for a fun night of entertainment to take their family to? Well, we've, we've put a couple of strategies in place. You know, I mean, clearly, um, in some cases, we do have competition. In other cases, I think a lot of, you know, what the NFL and NHL and NBA do is very complementary to what we do uh, and can help us. And there's, there's a reason why we have four NHL owners in our league um, because they see a lot of synergy between the lacrosse product and their hockey product and how to leverage the fan base and expose the fan base to both. But um, we have a couple of strategies 
So at the local level, it's all about the teams. It's all about the team's operations and having the teams work in their local communities to be more relevant. Um, And we formed a a team services function at the league office, which works with our teams to help teams become more relevant in their own communities through a variety of strategies, Um, not just selling tickets, but also just being more relevant in their communities using social media platforms, using traditional advertising platforms, um, so on and so forth. So that team services function is one strategy to help because the, the local teams are what really drive the relevance. And if we have successful local teams that are relevant in their communities, that's how you build the league long term. Um, and then the second thing is NLLTV and its distribution strategy. So we're, we're signing on distribution partners to help expand the universe of NLL fans and really deliver that NLL TV experience to more fans beyond just the arena. You know, when I first took over, I always said, you know, we've got great crowds. League league averages over 10,000 a game in these arenas, but when the game was over, it never left the arena. So NLL TV and our partnerships with people like Twitter and Facebook and CBS and others coming down the pike um, is a way to unlock uh, the great lacrosse that, that you know, 10,000 people may see in an arena, but after the game never leaves the arena. So the job of NOLTV is to unlock that and get it out to a larger population. For someone who may be considering coming to an NLL game, what is the average ticket price? Um, it varies amongst venues. The league average is around $25 a ticket, which is you know still in the realm of reasonableness, I think, for live professional sports content and particularly our league, which is, again, you're seeing the best lacrosse players in the world, many of whom come from all the great lacrosse colleges um, throughout North America. And, and so $25 is the average ticket price. Um, some markets a little bit more expensive, others a little bit cheaper, but that's that's the average across the league. Last question for you, uh, five years from now, and I know it's hard to project, but you know, you're sitting with some really smart owners, as you've described in this interview, people who own NHL teams. You've got Major League Soccer background. You've seen where that league has grown to. But five years from now, what would be your hope for where National Lacrosse League is? I think you'll, you'll see over the next five years us grow to a 14 to 16 team league. Um, and then over the next decade, grow beyond that. 16 is kind of a magic number for us in terms of scale and, and size in the U.S. You know, we'll, we'll look to have six or seven teams in Canada, and we'll look to be 20 to 24 teams in the U.S. someday. We think that can get accomplished over the next decade. But over the next five, I think we're going to be very focused on our key strategies, digital media, growing TV growing our relevance, and getting to 14 to 16 teams. Well, Nick, I appreciate you joining us on Sports Business Radio. It's fun to watch the growth of your league. I think you're doing some really smart things. And uh, let's thank stay you. in touch in the future. Well, thank you very much. Love to stay in touch as, as we progress. We have uh, lots of big announcements coming here in the next uh, probably 30 or 60 days. Well, we're happy to hear those big announcements. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. Good man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Albert. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is mktg.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 